Years ago, the Presbyterians had this big conference in Omaha, Nebraska. And as the people came in, pastors and leaders from all over, they were handed a helium balloon. They were handed a helium balloon, and they were instructed that at some point in this service, as your heart fills with joy for all that God's doing, release the balloon as a sign of the joy that you're experiencing because God is so good to you. Presbyterians don't shout out hallelujahs or throw their hands up, so the balloon releasing in the middle of a service would have been about the closest thing they could get to, come on somebody, saying, praise God, hallelujah. <laughs> so as the service continued on, balloons would just float up to the ceiling in the middle of the service, and by the end of the service, two-thirds of the balloons were in the ceiling, but one-third were still in the hands of the believers. One-third of those people couldn't find anything to have joy about. I've titled the teaching today, Let Go Your Balloon. <laughs> We've been in some tough times the last couple of years. But if I could teach you anything about life, I would teach you to choose joy no matter what you're going through. In fact, this is what the Bible teaches us. Do you know the shortest scripture in the Bible? Anybody know what it is? It actually is. In English, it's Jesus wept. But in the original Greek, do you know what the shortest scripture is? It's actually found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 16, which says, rejoice evermore. In the original, in the original Greek, rejoice evermore is shorter than Jesus wept. What it says to me in that is in God's divine understanding that he, what, he, what he wanted to teach his people no matter what is no matter what you're going through, no matter situations that you're going through, Takes 54 muscles to frown. And some of you use the 54 muscles way too much. And you can make your life a lot easier if you just learn to smile. With your mask on, smile at that person next to you or whatever you may be wearing. Our key, our key scripture is found in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. It says it like this. The key verse, I want you to memorize this. Rejoice in the Lord sometimes. Always. Always. And again, I'll say it. Rejoice. The Apostle Paul tells the Philippians, now he's writing this from prison. And he tells them, rejoice always. Don't rejoice when you feel good. Rejoice when you feel bad. Don't rejoice because you got a raise only. Rejoice when they demote you. Don't just rejoice because you got a brand new car. Rejoice when that old car is barely starting and you're thinking, oh God, will it get me there? Rejoice always. And let me, it's so important let me tell you again, rejoice always. This is the scripture. And again, I'll say it, rejoice. The Bible actually teaches us to choose joy, to choose it. Do you realize you can make a choice? You made a choice to come this morning. You could have slept in, watched online, could have not even got out of bed. You made choices already this morning by the tons of thousands of choices. You can choose joy. And the Bible actually teaches us to do it. James chapter 1 and verse 2 Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. Now, how in the world does that fit in our present culture? 
We live in a culture that says if it doesn't feel good, don't do it. If you don't like it, don't participate in if it. If it, if it hurts your feelings, then you just need to show that forth. And you and I must learn a truth, and that is we can choose joy. And he actually challenges them, James does. He says, consider it pure joy when you go through trials and tribulations because God's for you. He's on your side. And this whole thing that you're going through is actually going to make you stronger. It's actually going to make you more mature. And so look up at the Lord and say, Lord, I thank you that I'm actually being considered worthy enough to go through something difficult because you look at me and say, you know what, Satan, you can do what you want, but he won't deny me. She won't give up on me. You can try all your little tricks and all your little difficulties, just like he said about Job, but he won't quit on me. Why? Because God is the author and perfecter of our faith. And you and I should wake up every day and all throughout the day and choose joy. Now, that's hard in the, in the era that we're living in. There's so many things that seem to be attacking and just hitting you and knocking you down. But you and I can choose joy. I, I grew up in a church. We got radically saved from being wicked and went to a church. And there were so many mature Christians in that church that taught me this principle, not by way of preaching a sermon, but by living it out in front of me. There was a man at our church that we went to, a big mega church. And, uh, and he had, back in the day, he had smoked so many cigarettes and he had such a cancer in his throat that they had to cut his vocal cords out. And this old man, sweet as you could be, had this little thing. I don't know if y'all remember this back from the 80s. You'd see him all the time. He had this little device that he could stick up to his neck and say a little something to you. You didn't know what he was saying. Now, you got a picture at 10, 12, 13 years old. This guy's creepy when you walk in the circle. He's the main usher at the door. And, he, and all of our ushers back in the day would wear these red jackets. We called them the red coats. Because if you did anything wrong, they would tighten you up. And no, none of y'all grew up in a church like that. But that's, that's how it used to be back in the day. Boy, what? They come and put that little ring on the top of your head and thump you or something like that. It's like you, you go to jail for that stuff nowadays, you know. But I'll never get this one head usher. Had his, had his vocal cords uh, cut out because of the cancer. But when, he, when you walked in... His smile was from ear to ear. And he knew that he scared all the little kids, so he kept a pocket full of candy. And he walked up to the little kids, and he knew not to do this little thing because it would really freak them out, like the bionic man or something. So he would just look down at you and smile and say, and he'd give them a little piece of candy. Can I tell you, every kid in that 6,000-member church, all they wanted to do on Sunday was go hug the head usher and get their piece of candy. See, he considered it pure joy. Instead of sitting around being mad about how come God didn't heal him of the cancer, instead of blaming this person and that person, he took what little bit of life he had and he made it full of joy by the choices that he made. Every time, we had a little lady, we called her Twirly Bird. Because at the front row, you always prayed that you, none of your friends would come to church that week. At the front row, she would sit there and do this. And in those days, we had worship for like an hour and 15 minutes. Anybody go up to a church like that? For an hour and 15 minutes, this woman would just, twirl, and I, would, I couldn't even worship her. I'd just watch her. She's going to pass out any minute, any minute. And then when, she, when, she would, when it would be over, she'd go hug someone, and she wouldn't be walking like this either. It was the most amazing thing. But Charlie Bird had been diagnosed with cancer. Being from Louisiana, a lot of folks die of cancer because of the Aaron Brockovich story. They're pumping it all out in our water and in, in the air. And she had been diagnosed with cancer to the place where they opened her up to try to operate and found that it was all throughout her body. And they just sewed her back up and left her on, on the hospital table. 
Jesus came into her bedroom, into that hospital room, touched her on her big toe, and healed her from head to toe. And so when she would get before the Lord, she would worship like a crazy person. And the joy that she emanated because of how good God had been to her. She chose joy every moment of the day. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you've been through. But I know what you can do. You can choose joy no matter what. Are you with me today? Say yes. Psalms 37 and 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. You know what that says to me? That says is I choose joy throughout the day. The desires of my heart. He will give them to me as I learn to have the right attitude. There's so much reason to have bad attitude. You and I can pick a reason walking in here today to have the old mully grubs and be just a jerk to everybody else and what we've been through this week and how terrible it is, or we can choose joy. This is the choices that are before us. Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 17 used to be one of my favorite verses when I was going through hardship. It says it like this, though the fig tree does not bud, And there are no grapes on the vine. Though the olive crop fails and the field produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. Now again, uh, agricultural people. In other words, we ain't got no money in the bank. Ain't got no gas in the car. Ain't got a job. They come in to take the, uh, the, uh, the, the, turn the lights off. None of this, all of this is coming against me. Look what it says in verse 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. I will rejoice even though times are difficult. I will find a way to choose joy no matter what I'm going through. Are you with me today? Say yes. So I want to give you a couple benefits. Write these down. A couple benefits of joy. Here's the first grandiose benefit. If you would choose joy on a daily basis, let me tell you what would happen. One of the first big benefits that we've been able to identify is that it will create good health in your body. It will. It will. An attitude of joy will create good health in your body. They've linked it. Scientists have linked your attitude to good health. Stress is destroying people. Depression is killing you physically, mentally, and emotionally. But if you can choose joy, you will find, in fact, the Harvard Health uh, publication recently quoted it like this, positive emotions have been linked with better health, longer life, and greater well-being in numerous scientific studies. On the other hand, chronic anger, worry, and hostility increase the risk of developing heart disease as people react to these feelings with raised blood pressure and stiffening of the blood vessels. You are killing and stiffening your blood vessels by being full of stress, worry, doubt, anger, frustration, instead of just choosing joy. You know what? When you treat me bad, I'm going to choose to be full of joy. When you don't act right, I'm going to choose to be full of joy. Proverbs 17, 22 is absolutely one of my top 10 favorite scriptures. 17, 22 of Proverbs, a cheerful heart is good medicine. It's good medicine. I have learned in all of these years of serving God to make a choice. I'll walk into meetings that I know are about to get messy. I know that I'm about to walk into being either attacked or misappropriated. I know what this meeting's about, and I'll walk into that meeting. I will choose joy because a merry heart is good medicine. I'll walk in there and start hugging people. So I love, I'll start making jokes, and you can tell that all the D person, all the type A's are like, well, we got to do, we're about to handle this, and you making jokes. And I, yes, I am. Yes, I am. Because if I don't, my heart will get hard, and I will become a person who hates everybody, especially in the ministry. Because in the ministry, what happens is everyone throws up on you. That's what they do. 
and they don't they, because they look to you as a leader in their life and so they don't share with you most time all the good things that God's doing they're most time sharing with you as the pastor all the terrible things that the devil's doing asking for your prayer asking for your support asking for your counsel and so uh, that's why you see a lot of these pastors, many times they'll fall into alcoholism, they'll fall into adultery, they'll fall into these things. And the reason why is because they're taking all this off, taking it on, taking it on, taking it on. And as a result, it begins to harden their hearts. But a merry heart is good medicine. I have learned to constantly laugh and enjoy Jesus. I've constantly find, find the good in the midst of all the bad, identifying it and having a merry heart because a merry heart is good medicine to my body. I'm, I've been in this thing for 31 plus years, full-time ministry, mega ministry my whole life. And I'm going to tell you something. I have learned the secret on how to keep loving people, and that is to have a merry heart because it's good medicine. It's good to choose joy every day. I choose joy when I'm driving up 35. Oh, Jesus, I choose it. I choose it. I choose joy. I choose joy when I see some of the stuff y'all be posting. I say, oh, Jesus, you're still good. I just choose to laugh about that crazy. They say, crazy, oh, God, help them. Back in 1964, a man by the name of Norman Cousins was hospitalized with a rare crippling form of arthritis. When he was diagnosed as incurable, Cousins decided to check himself out of the hospital and figure out a way to take care of himself because he felt like the doctors wouldn't be able to do it. So what he did was he began to borrow a projector from some friends and he began to watch every bit of, uh, of, of funny, can anybody remember Candy Camera? The candy camera. He began to watch uh, old reruns of Candy Camera. He found every comedic movie he could find, and he just began to watch them and watch them. And he came up with something. He realized that that um, that after. Let me see. I want to get this straight. He discovered that ten minutes of laughter provided him with two hours of pain-free sleep. It's been it's been documented. And after the account of his victory, they, they uh, appeared, what happened was the New England Journal of Medicine wrote an article about him, and more than 3,000 letters, back in 64, of physicians from around the world began to write to him and say, thank you. We've been trying to help people understand that their attitude and the emotion that they choose has as much to do with their health as anything else we could ever give them. You and I can choose joy. We can choose it. We need to let the balloon go and say, you know what? I may not feel it, but I choose joy. I may not see it. I don't know why these other people are all happy because my life sucks right now, but I'm going to choose joy. And instead of comparing what we don't have to what everybody else does have, how about we just recognize what God's doing in the midst of it all and choose joy? Here's the second benefit of joy. The first one is it creates great good health for you. Number two is it makes you more approachable. It really does. None of us want to hang out with mean people. None of you. And I'm sorry, but some of you have RBTs, I mean RBFs, resting booty faces. <laughs> and you don't realize it. I, I've got a particular friend that I, I have to tell him, hey, you look like you want to murder somebody right now. Because they're just thinking. I can't figure out why they're lonely. I can tell you why you're lonely. Because you're not approachable. Because you give off the air. Don't mess with me. I don't like you. I don't like life. But those who have this attitude of joy, don't you love to be around them? 
I want you to think about one of your favorite people to be around, and I guarantee you they're full of laughter. I guarantee you they're fun. I guarantee you that they bring you joy. When you're going through a hardship, who's the first person that comes to mind to call? Mama. Who? I don't know. But I love to be around people who are full of joy. It encourages me. It builds up my joy tank. And it helps me say, you know what? Life is going to be okay. It makes you more approachable when you choose joy. See, I get it. Sometimes we get in a funk because relationships can be exhausting. And, you say, and you're thinking, I don't want any more relationships. But what happens is you don't realize, but you become uninviting. And when you become uninviting... People do just what you portray. They don't invite themselves into a relationship with you. They don't connect with you. And you do understand that God's miracles come through other people. You do understand that, right? Like you can't read throughout Scripture and not recognize this. God uses others to bring his miracles. They are, they are the delivery men and women to your life of miracles. When you are crying, oh God, I need a miracle in this. Well, friend, can you understand? God's going to use somebody to bring that to, to you. But if you're so uninviting because you're so callous and you're so angry and you're so bitter and you're so frustrated about the bad things that are happening in your life, what happens is you actually push away your miracle and you don't realize it. If you will choose joy... If you will choose joy, you will be inviting to others, and others will possess many times the thing that God is sending to you. It'll come through them. Promotions, jobs, uh, finances, um, relational happiness, all these things are connected to humanity, to others. God will use someone wicked to help you and bring a miracle through you, but if you're uninviting, then no one will ever be able to get close enough to you for God to be a conduit, to use them as a conduit for miracles in your life. If you'll choose joy, if you'll choose joy, it'll make you approachable. Here's a third benefit that, that I think you ought to learn, and that is it provokes the ungodly to jealousy. Now, I've never seen anybody get saved in my life. Mm, it's probably because they won't, don't want what you are portraying. Think about that. The Apostle Paul actually was talking about this in Romans chapter 11, verse 4. He says, uh, if somehow I might move to jealousy my fellow countrymen and save some of them. He was in this discussion about how, you know, you Gentiles, God has extended his grace and mercy to you. But don't throw out the Jews. Don't throw out my countrymen. They, they have the original covenant relationship with him. And I get it. They're not necessarily believing that Jesus was the Messiah, and they don't necessarily want But he's telling them, he says, but let us love God in such a way that they see the joy and the excitement of a real relationship with Jesus Christ the Messiah. And they look around and go, what I have sucks. I want what you have. And somehow provoke them to jealousy. Listen, when you go to work and you're just as angry and just as mean and just as frustrated, why does that coworker want what you have? And they just think, but you got to go waste a couple hours on a Sunday to go to church, and you're still just as mean and just as ornery. Why do I want what you got? It didn't affect you in a positive way. Why do I want it? But when you and I choose joy, what it does, it provokes others to go, I want that. I want, I want that. Like, like you're going through hell on earth, and you still are happy, and you still seem like you're heading in the right direction. I want that. Now watch us. They watch us. I'm telling you. They watch us. I have neighbors who've watched me, and they watch me go through things, and they'll tell me years later, say, you know what? I never believed in Jesus until I watched what you went through and I saw that you continue you continue to believe and you continue to laugh and you continue to be nice to everyone around you friend there is no excuse for you as a believer to be mean to co-workers to people who serve at your table there's no reason for that I don't care how terrible they are I tell you I can correct you with a smile on my face I can I can rebuke you and you feel love and joy in the midst of it because I've chosen joy so I can walk in joy and I can give joy are you with me say yes 
Come on, somebody. I love what Charles Spurgeon said about this provoking the ungodly to jealousy. He says, why should Christians be such happy people? Why? It is good in all ways. It is good for our God. It gives him honor among the sons of men when we are glad. It is good for us. It makes us strong. The joy of the Lord is your strength. It is good for the ungodly, for when they see Christians glad, they long to be believers themselves. What a great truth from Reverend Spurgeon. I want to give you a couple ingredients for joy, for a joyful life. I have learned what to mix in to have a joyful life. It starts first and foremost, number one, with a cleansed life. It starts with the fact that I'm on my face say, Lord, I repent for what I did the other day. I'm so sorry. Lord, forgive me. And the fact that I have a cleansed life and I don't live in sin. I sin, you sin, but I don't live in sin. Because I don't live in sin, I, I, I don't live in sin because I walk in repentance to the Lord. Lord, I, please forgive me. I have messed that up. I, I will go and tell that person I'm so sorry. I, I, will, I will never do that again. Lord, help me and overcome my own, my own weaknesses and my own temptation. Because I have a cleansed life. Not because I don't sin, because I live in a cleansed relationship, back in open relationship with Jesus. I tell him everything. He rebukes me. I repent. I move on. We move on together. Because I have a cleansed life, I can have joy because I don't have this guilt in the back of my mind, the shame that's pushing me towards frustration and anger. In fact, the, the Psalms are written mainly by King David. He wrote much of the book of Psalms. And in Psalms 51, he, he writes, he's been confronted. He's the one who uh, began to lust after this woman that wasn't his wife. And so he had her brought, to, as a king, he had her brought to his room and, uh, and he had sexual relationships with her and then got her pregnant. Her husband, meanwhile, was in his military off at battle. So he came up with this great plan that he was going to bring the husband home and they could hook up, he could hook up with his wife, she would get pregnant, he would think that he got her pregnant, and it all could be just, you know, swept under the rug. The problem was this man was so loyal that he was brought in off the battle while his brothers, his brothers are out there dying for the war, and he refused to go home and be with his wife. He would, uh, he would sleep only at the doors of the palace. So finally, David had to continue trying to cover over his sin. So he said, put him back in the battle. And when, and, and then, and when the battle gets real intense, blow the trumpet until all of, his, all of his bros, that when you hear the trumpet to back up, he'll be left alone in the middle of the fighting, and he'll be killed. It happened exactly that way. David got away with it until the prophet came to him. And he says, David, what should be done for a man who lived next door to a poor man? The poor man had one little sheep that he cared for and he took care of, and he never did anything but loved this like his own child. Next door to him was a very wealthy man who had tons and tons of sheep. And in the middle of the night, a distant friend came to the wealthy man's house, and instead of taking one of his own sheep to pre prepare a meal, he snuck over and he stole the one precious little sheep from the poor man next to him and then fed it to his guest. What should be done with that man, David, full of rage? So that man should be destroyed. That man, everything he has should be taken from him and given to the poor man. And that man should be, go, be put in prison. And the prophet looked at him and said, thou art the man. You could have had any of the women in Israel and you stole another man's wife. David falls on his face and he repents. He could have had the prophet killed. He could have kept hiding his sin, but he didn't. In Psalms, 50, Psalms 51, he writes this in repentance. It's his repentance passage. He says, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. 
He says this statement, and return me to the joy of my salvation. There's joy when I'm right with the Lord. The joy of my salvation. I've learned one of the key ingredients to having joy in my life is to be right with the Lord. Not I, I, I fail, I stumble. David said, but return me to the joy of myself. I repent, Lord, I, I own it, I did it. And he said this, he says, you and you alone have I sinned against. Yeah, yeah, I broke this family up, but you and you alone have I sinned against. Please, oh God, have mercy on me and return me back to the joy of my salvation. Do you know why some of you can't walk in joy? Because you have such a guilty conscience about hidden sin. People love to be around me and my wife because we don't have a guilty conscience. Uh, we do dumb stuff. We accidentally hurt people. We don't mean to. But we don't live with hidden sin. And so as a result, I don't have a guilty conscience. And so I can look at you and I can say, I love you. And it comes from a place of purity. And I can worship my God with all my heart. And it's not performance for you. It's not to impress you. It's not to get you to come to our church. I love Jesus because he first loved me. And he's forgiven me. And he's cleansed me. And he calls me his own. I have a clear conscience. Jesus has cleansed my life, and I keep that right with him. Here's the second great ingredient that I've learned how to keep a joyful life, and that is a confidence in Jesus. A confidence in Jesus. I don't have confidence in our legal system. I don't have confidence in riches, because they'll fail you, the Bible says. But I have a confidence in my Jesus that he will never leave me. He will never forsake me. If you don't have that confidence, friend, this is your chance to begin to make some changes. Let me tell you what the word of God says. It says it so clearly. I love this in Jeremiah 17, 7. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord whose confidence is in him. I'm confident no matter what happens in this old wicked world that Jesus is going to take care of me. I'm confident no matter what happens, no matter what happens with my family, if there's tragedy, I'm confident that Jesus will take care of me. He will, I put my trust in him. I put my trust in how to lead my family and what his word says. I put my trust and my confidence is in him. And because I have such confidence in him, I can be at joy. Have you ever, 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 ever worked at a company that was a really good company? And you know, the, you're watching your friends with these little startup companies, and they're losing their jobs. There's no money for it. But you're working for an establishment that's got good systems, got good people, and the confidence that it brought you because you knew these are good leaders. Can I tell you the greatest leader in the history of humanity is Jesus Christ. I, my confidence is that he will do it right. Even in difficulties, he'll do it right. He'll get me through it. Are you tracking with me? My confidence is in him, not in my ability, not in my family's. And I tell people all the time, listen, I, I don't trust your flesh. I don't trust your flesh. I don't trust, I don't trust your flesh. I don't trust your flesh. But what I do trust is Jesus in you. I can trust Jesus in you. He will never fail. And so though I may be concerned about your fleshliness and how it's hurting others, I'm confident that Jesus will work that out in you. I'm confident in his ability to see this thing through in you. Are you tracking with me? Say yes. And some of you have lost confidence because you've lost trust. You've lost trust because you're putting your trust in the wrong place. Put your trust back in him. I was having a little fun conversation with a young person who were struggling with believing the Bible was accurate because they'd watch these YouTube videos. And they said, well, I believe this, but I don't believe that, but I think this is a mistranslation. I said, let me ask you this simple question, real simple. How in the world can he be God and not get his Bible straight? Either he's God or he's not. Even, either his, this is his word or it's not. 
And they were like, that's just so simple. I'm like, yep, it's that simple. And that's the trust I have in him, that he will fix it. In fact, I trust that he's so God that if there was any mistakes in translation of the Bible, that he could create an alternate reality where the Bible was actually accurate and move me into that alternate reality. That while we were asleep, he could go back and change the holy word and then erase all of our memories that there was some falsehood in it. Either he's God or he's not. Who do you put your confidence in? I have confidence in Jesus, which gives me joy. I sleep well at night. I'm not worried about who might break in. I'm not worried about who's going to steal my cryptocurrency. I'm not worried about, you know, if I'm going to be poor and and the zombies are going to be knocking on the door in the middle of the night. I'm not going to be worried about none of that. Why? Because my confidence is in him. Are you tracking? Say yes. Here's the third great ingredient that I have found for a joyful life, and that is, you ready? A simplified life. (laughs) Ecclesiastes 4.6. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Can I tell you something? Y'all have, some of you, I love you so much, but you have muddied your life up with so much stuff. You got five, six little hustle things going on the side. You got this over here, you trying to also get your doctorate degree. You got five kids. You trying to make them all specialty lunches because you want them to be healthy. You got all this stuff. And listen, I read a great book back in the day. Go pick it up, Choosing to Cheat. Choosing to Cheat. It's great. Great. Uh, uh, Stanley, um, the one in Atlanta. Andy Stanley wrote this little book. And he said, you can't be great at everything, so choose what you want to be good at and choose what you're just not going to be so good at. I made a choice years ago. I'm not going to have abs. I just chose. I just said it's not going to happen. <laughs> not going to happen. Made the choice. Own the choice. Because it can't be great at everything. Or I'm going to lose my mind. Are you tracking with me? So we simplify our life all the time. And Jamie and I have to work hard at constantly simplifying our life. We have to constantly go back and simplify our life. I was cleaning out the garage yesterday. And there were so many projects I could do. You know what I'm talking about? We picked that up. We should do. uh, That was going to be a great project. And while she was out doing something else, I just threw it in the garbage can. Because I realized I'm never going to do that project. I'm going to simplify. I need to be good at the five or six things that I'm committed to and stop trying to feel bad and, and, and all ashamed about the things I'm never going to get to. I am simplifying my life. A simple life brings joy. Have you ever done a missions trip, being out there with these poor people? They are so happy. I'll never forget being in, in, in Kenya. And these kids, the greatest worship I've ever experienced, and I have been in revival meetings where people on the floor flopping like fish. I have been, I have been, I've been in worship where the angels begin to outsing us. Uh, we, were in, we were in Lakeland, Florida, and the angels begin to sing louder than we were. We could hear them. We all stopped, and there were still voices singing. Unbelievable. But the greatest worship I've ever experienced, I have a picture of it. I'm about 24 years old. I'm in uh, Nairobi, Kenya. We're out in the middle of a field, trash all around us, out in the middle of this field. And kids have come. We're going to do this little time. And uh, we just begin to sing. And kids begin, these kids begin to get, one kid grabbed uh, uh, um, a, a piece of wood and a stick. And he started, bop, 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 bop. And this other kid had two pieces of metal and started, and we began to sing, Baraka Manuzu Neni Nisa Nisa Jambu. And they began to worship the Lord out in the middle of the And the power of God began to fall. We didn't have amplifiers. We didn't have smoke machines. We didn't have any words on the screen. I didn't even know what they were singing. 
but I remembered some of the words just now because I just gave them to you. That was a long time ago. The reason why is because it was simple. God is simple. He says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. If it gets too unsimplified, it probably doesn't have his stamp of approval on it. He's real simple. His ways are easy. The reason why some of you are so stressed out is because you have added so many things to your life. And you're going to go into 2022 and lose your mind all over again if you don't simplify. Choose joy. Let the balloon go today. Just, just let it go. You, you and I can have joy. You and I can live healthy lives. Come on, somebody, because the joy of the Lord is our strength. It comes through us. It causes others to be attracted to us. You don't have to go out preaching to everybody. You live a joyful life. You live with Jesus and how good he is, and people walk up to you and say, what is it about you? They do that to me all the time. They walk up to you, what is it? What is it? Sir, I don't know you, but I'm just watching you interact here in the mall with your kids. What is it? What do you have? Why are you so happy? That's all they know how to call it. Why are you so happy? And I'll just tell them, listen, you don't understand how wicked I was. I was on my way to hell. H-E, double hockey sticks. I was on my way. I was making a good run at it, too. I was going to bust it wide open. And Jesus came into my life, and he set me free from anger and perversion and hatred. I hated my, my biological father for abandoning me. I hated my first stepdad for beating me. I hated him. I hated every man. But Jesus, the king of glory, came into my life, and he freed me from that. And he gave me a reason for living and a purpose, and I'm on the right track. And my family loves me, and I love them. Joy unspeakable and full of glory so let me just give you some thoughts when the doctor tells you it's not good choose joy come on say it with me when your baby mama keeps creating drama choose joy when your employer frees up your future with a pink slip choose joy when you're running late for work and your car won't start choose joy when trolls are slamming all of your socials, choose joy. Sorry, you older guys don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> anyway. When it's revealed that your kids are involved in some stuff, choose joy. When you can't get everyone to listen to you, choose joy. When it looks like the plans that you had planned have all now been disruptive, and instead of getting to stay in that nice condo on the beach, you stay in, in a trailer out in the woods in Oklahoma. Choose joy. Come on, you ain't never had that vacation interruption. <laughs> you and I can choose joy today. Use those 14 muscles. Let go of those 54 muscles and smile at folks throughout the day. Choose joy. Would you stand with me quickly across the Hey, everybody. Wasn't that a great message? I know that as we speak, your life is being changed by the word of the Lord. So here's what I want you to do. Take some time to think about it, consider it, pray and ask the Lord how you can apply it to your life today and this week. And maybe there's something that he's asking you to change or do differently in your life. So let's not let this be something that we just watch and then walk away like nothing happened. We're so grateful to be able to hear the word of the Lord. You weren't here in person today, but you're here with us online and that matters. And if you made a decision for Christ today, we wanna know, we wanna know how to come alongside you and how to support you and how we can best pray for you. So please, if you did make that decision for Christ today, text the word DECIDED to 469-606 
1-800-242-2684. We can't wait to see you back next week, same time, same place. Share these posts with your friends. Share it on your social media. Blast it out there. Don't be greedy and keep it to yourself. We love you and we'll see you soon. God bless.